0: Hello, Ditterod Nation. This is Rob Burbank, the CEO of the Ditterod, with our second installment of Tales from the Trail, the Red Lantern Edition with Casey Manager. Casey, I know you're down at you in Michigan. Hopefully you're happy, hunkering. How are
1: you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing great. Yep. Just hunkering down, unpacking, moving back in and enjoying the nice weather here right now.
0: You know, I, I don't know if you felt this way. My guess is after uh such a great journey in your rookie endeavor and and all the storms that you went through And we'll get into some of that in a minute but did you have like a post diteroid uh depression i just want to make sure you're okay
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I not not like depression but just kind of a more of well now what do i do what's the what's the next big step hopefully it's it's i rod next year or the year after but yeah i've been trying to to think of some some different things and we'll see what happens
0: yeah, I mentioned it's a little bit anticlimactic, but but glad to hear you're already thinking about next year. But let's before we go there, let's talk about what it was like for you when you first became aware of the Iditarod and you know how old were you and how did you get first inspired into the into the great sport of sled dog racing?
1: So, actually, um where I grew up and I'm at right now over in Marquette, Michigan, we have a dog race here called the UP200. And I was very fortunate as a kid, the trail went behind my old house where I grew up and one year it just clicked where I, I looked, I was watching the race and I said, well, that looks like fun. I love winter, love dogs. Let's go give it a shot. So my mom found a local musher in the area and I tried it out and I've been hooked since I was about seven years old. And I don't remember exactly when I first learned about the Iditarod. Um, I remember the first book I ever read was a book about Dee John Rowe, and I was hooked after that, learned about Susan Butcher, and I actually emailed Susan, um, I think just one time as a kid, asking for lead dog advice, and she, she actually wrote me back, and and her advice worked, and I've just been going strong ever since then.
0: Well, that's, that's a great story. So those are some passionate Adidara dreams, and, of course, Susan – uh, a champion, uh, Susan was a uh, sports person of the year on cover of Sports Illustrated. And, and it's really great that she actually responded and, and, and gave you some counsel and provided some, uh, hopefully some additional inspiration. So, but it wasn't, it, it still took us several years to go from, uh, a seven year old kid to the start line in the Diderot. I mean, there had to be a bunch <laughs> of ups and downs and, and challenges during that period. Can you kind of take us through your, Progression in the sport and coming to Alaska and even being positioned to, to qualify. How, you know, what was that like?
1: Yeah. So, yep. Like you just said, I, I had my first race when I was seven years old. And when I was nine years old, I adopted my first few sled dogs, uh, two dogs named Kana and Blaze and my yellow lab, Sheba. She would pull me around, pull me around on skis and she happily retired from that it was all about the Huskies now. And. We grew up, there's always some kind of fun neighborhood thing going on every year with the racing and we would do that, train with local mushers, and when they got older and retired, um I still worked with local kennels, was racing, did a race here called the Jack Pine thirty, I finished seventh twice, did the Apostle Islands race in Wisconsin and I never or I haven't done the UP two hundred yet, that's still a goal of mine. Um but I was very much involved with that as a kid and even in college with organizing, volunteer work. I helped out my best friend who was a coordinator as well. And then I was involved with that all through high school and college and graduated college in 13, I believe. And spent a few years here still with the dogs, but I wanted to come to Alaska before I settled down and got an adult job, as I, as I call it. And so I said, I'll move up to Alaska for one one summer, get that out of my system, and I can go back to Michigan and, and settle down. Well, if all goes right this year and all goes to plan, this will be year six with Gold Rush Dog Tours in Alaska. And I think I just finished my fourth winter in Alaska. So I think 2016, 2017, I started to qualify for Iditarod. For I did the Copper Basin. 300 and the Kobuck 440 in one year. And then last year, I finished off my qualifying process with the Goose Bay 150. And that allowed me to race this year with Matthew Failer's puppy team from 17th Dog Kennel. So very, very fortunate for him, her, for that he let me do that.
0: Yeah. How did you get hooked up with Matthew?
1: So Matthew, he's always had dogs in, in our Skagway tour. So every year for the last uh, five years, he sends down usually about 10 dogs, and we can do tours down there. And he was looking for uh, a handler last year, and a mutual friend of ours, Matt Haishita, said, well, you should go talk to Matthew, go work at his kennel. And Matthew and I talked, and I was able to go over there and work with him and finish qualifying to a rod this year.
0: All right. So that's, uh, that's quite a journey. Now let's take us back to, let's take us to the, the official start in, in Willow. It's Sunday, March 8th. Snow is coming down. You know, how, how are you feeling at that point? I mean, where, what were you like emotionally on my, on that, on Sunday, March 8th? I,
1: I was surprisingly calm. Even the night before, I, I slept great, wasn't too nervous. And I think that all goes back to, to Matthew and I would, we'll freak out to him all season long. Like, Oh, I hope I'm ready. I hope I'm ready. I hope I can do this. And he would just go, Casey, you got this. You're, you're prepared. If, and if you weren't, you know, I'd make sure that whatever questions you have, you're answered. like you'll be totally fine. And so I think through Matthew and his confidence in me, it calmed me down and I just went out there and all the packing was done. And at that point I just went to run dogs. I said, it's a 12, 13 day training trip, camping trip. And so I, I was very calm and, and ready to finally do it, get on the trail. And, and instead of seeing it in videos or reading about it, I was actually going to go experience all those places. So I was very excited and pumped up.
0: What were those first uh, couple days like for you? Pretty good, packed, pretty good snow, a lot of snow. How did that feel to you?
1: Oh, it felt felt great. I remember after the race, Matthew and I were talking. He'd go, oh, yeah, wasn't it packed and a bunch of snow? And I was like, huh, oh, I think so. I think I was just so <laughs> excited to be there, I kinda of forgot what it was like. And my my dogs they're they're his dogs, they're they're amazing. They anything you put in front they they're gonna go through and so I think that kinda of helped me put that in the back of my head almost too. But you no know, the first days of the trail they were they were awesome, they were great. Really had one scary moment leaving Squetna. There was a a moose in the middle of the trail. Uh pretty angry one it was pretty set on being in the middle of the trail but thankfully i can't remember the guy's name but there was a guy from squetna that was on the trail and he actually broke trail for me around it and made sure i got past that that moose okay so big shout and thank you to him um wish i knew his name though
0: We'll, we'll We'll try to track him down for the the random uh trail busting roose, moose wrangler for you so if we can find <laughs> that first well I, Thank I, you I think
1: he did that for a, a few people too because I think whoever went out in front of me um he had helped them out too
0: yeah now were you uh were you getting how how were you feeling energy wise were you getting uh sleep deprived like say day five six seven how was how that middle of that race going for you?
1: Well, uh, I'll, I have a confession. I'll admit to it now. I, I was prone to oversleeping, and I did that a few times, so I never really felt tired. Um, going to Ruby, I started to feel low on energy and maybe a little tired in that sense. I remember I fell asleep a few times on my dog sled, but we we camped <laughs> maybe like halfway to Ruby. I remember just trying to eat a bunch of food but I ate a bunch of Skittles. I think my blood sugar is getting low, so I had to kind of—I had a moment there of like, "All right, you got to take care of yourself too. Just to make sure you're eating and drinking and staying hydrated and all that stuff." But um but sleeping was it good, say, though.
0: <laughs> it doesn't sound like you got to the point of, of sleep-deprived hallucination. You, you, you weren't seeing any purple giraffes, were you?
1: No, no. I—I've actually I hallucinated a few times on the Coba and Copper Basin, and it never got to that point. And I did. It. I think maybe on day two going to squat and I hallucinated for some reason, but but that was it though.
0: Great, great. Now, was there um a point in time on the trail where you were concerned about finishing?
1: Finishing? Uh no, I I definitely had some like mental struggles of um just having to keep my confidence and beliefs up, but those dogs, they're amazing. Whatever Challenge we faced, even if we struggled, they they always overcame that and and kept on pushing through. We had a some good hill climbs leaving Elam that took us a little bit to to overcome, but we just took our time and and got through it as a team, though. But Speaking I always of Elam. To finish.
0: Well, that that's great, great to hear. Speaking of Elam, I know that you were a part of the Elam Eleven and. And that seemed like a pretty special community. I mean how how, how was the how was the camaraderie and kind of the, 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 the was everybody getting along at that point in time?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We were all definitely getting along. Um I gotta say the attitude was very upbeat, very positive. We were a pretty determined group to uh to get through that no matter what. Even when we left the second time, um we all packed extra food just in case we had to camp and we were when we went out that second time, we were going to get to to White Mountain one way or another. That's for sure.
0: Oh, fantastic! So, so you get into White Mountain. At what point do you do, do you start to feel the elation before, well before Nome, or at what point do you feel, wow, you know that that dream that was probably twenty years or so in the making is going to happen?
1: Um, I think when I woke up from my nap in White Mountain, I was starting to go down and do the final packing. Lose the extra weight, get the dogs ready. I think right in there, it was starting to hit me. And then as soon as I, I pulled that hook, when they told me I could go, I, I knew it was happening. And then going into safety, getting my bib, that was even a special. And I remember coming into Nome, the guy handed me the red lantern. And I'm like, all right, yep, I can see it. We're there. This actually happened. So I'd well, say I, I, my know your,
0: I know your parents uh, were really proud. And oh, yeah. you know, I think they, I think they were really inspired by you as well, and they probably are still you know deriving energy from that. But so, come you know, coming up front Street there, coming in the finish uh, was a magical moment for for oh, for, yeah. the, for all of the, all of us that were there too. So you know, we really want to want to thank you for uh, really being a gracious finisher. And for your for your commitment and determination uh to what makes a rod the rod So and we certainly um, really want to see you back. Uh I'm glad to hear that you already started thinking about next year. And you know, my guess is that you learned so much on your journey that you really probably can think about and I don't know where, how you're processing that now. Do you think about things you would do differently? Or are you already thinking about you know, your dog care for next year and, and, and all the strategies are are the kind of thing you still have to kind of take it all in?
1: Uh, a little bit of both. Um, And first, I just want to say thank you to my mom and dad for even being in gnome and coming to make the trip because <laughs> on the trail with all the coronavirus, I didn't know if they were going to be there. And that was kind of the one that drives that was getting me to Nome was the fact that they were going to be there and I get, I'd get to see them. And so that was a very special moment seeing them underneath the burled arch and Gnome. Um, but yeah, the one of the first things I did when I got back was I was already fixing my sled and designing it differently and arranging it differently. Um, for my next Iditarod. did a rod and, and yeah, I've definitely been thinking different training techniques. Maybe, um, my dogs, they ate, they ate okay. They ate better in the second half than the first half. So, you know, trying to think about what I could do better. Maybe get them to eat a little bit more, um, take care of myself a little bit more as far as my nutrition as well. Um, So, yeah, just a lot of different ideas. I got to start writing it down eventually, get out of my head. But, um, yeah, and uh, ideas will pop up here and there and definitely can't wait to get going next fall and implement them for sure.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, this was – you know, uh, uh, it, it was uh, a very, very challenging Iditarod with all the crazy storms, the virus, having to navigate around checkpoints, uh, arguably one of the toughest uh, and most extraordinary races in the history of our 48 years. So uh, congratulations on, on, on making it to the finish. You know, we, uh, uh not everybody did so this year. So uh, I think you'll be going to draw upon that for, for future years. We look forward to have you back in the race next year? Look forward to hopefully seeing you in Alaska, uh, this summer. So I want to, I want to thank you very much, uh, for your time. And, uh, Casey, really great, uh, to, to have you on the, on the Divacast and Tales from the Trail. And, uh, thank you so much. And, uh, we, uh, we look forward to, uh, doing this again with you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Can I, can I give one more shout out by chance? Sure. Sure. I just want to give a big shout out to you to, uh, uh, thankfully he's a guy I got to know through math this year, but Martin Boozer, um, for really being a leader for the Elam 11 and, and even he gave me some great advice on the trail in Elam and he was definitely a, a guy to follow and he made sure that, cause I had the slowest team out there out of the whole group and, and he made sure that we could come up with a game plan that would keep me with the pack and not get left behind and, you know, all the mushers out there when we left, they, we would turn around and if someone wasn't behind us, we would wait that person to catch up. And so I really appreciate, you know, Martin and all the other uh 10 in the Elam 11 that, you know, worked with me. And we had definitely good teamwork out there. So appreciate all that from those guys and all the volunteers too. And the, the trail breakers that went out there and broke trail for us to even get to the finish line. Big thank you to them as well.
0: We, we, we appreciate that. That's, um, uh, you know, it, it is interesting because obviously, uh, it's an individual from the Mushers, obviously a team sport with the dogs, but our community is competitive, but also very collegial. And, and Martin oh, yeah. certainly sure, showed some really terrific uh, leadership out there. So, uh, we appreciate that shout out. Well, Casey, this oh, yeah. has been a, a lot of fun. Um, we, uh, we look forward to, uh, to, to seeing you out there coming up, Nome, in the years to come.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you.
0: Thank you.